Welcome to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren. Hello. Hello. My name is Megan Baker. And my name is Lauren Malika. Mm-hmm. And this is Spooky Psychology. Uh, that's our new theme song, guys. You Very know. charming. Yeah. We just thought we'd, you know, be real. Maybe be real. Bring you guys a little something you haven't heard before. Just, just us doing that. Just want to bring you guys some of my Latin heat. Lauren <laughs> is full of Latin heat. Full of Latin heat. Full of it. Full of approximately 50%, 50% Latin heat. 50% Ecuadorian heat. <laughs> And it's and beautiful. Irish heat. <laughs> I'm full of a bit more Irish heat. Um, oh, good. Irish heat is not as hot. Um, <laughs> it's a little spicy. It's a little spicy in the way that some people think salt is spicy. <laughs> <laughs> what is even happening? How are you guys doing today? Very sorry to all of our <laughs> Irish <laughs> We have offended you and your ancestors. We're really just making fun of the American Irish. Uh, we're all great people, but not known for our spiciness. <laughs> are known for our drinking problems. If you are from Ireland and there are spices that you use that you want us to know about, let us know. Actually, though, I mean, I, I like spicy food. Do you like spicy food? I do. I can get into curry a bit. Ooh, um, love a good curry. Love a good curry. But yeah, I want to say when it comes to like our stats. <laughs> um, That's a complete jump there. <laughs> maybe we'll put in something to make that sound smoother or maybe we'll just leave it like this. Well, the reason I bring it up is because... Um, oh, are we looking at our yeah, international international viewers? stats. We are... On the rise Ooh. in India. In <laughs> India? I was not expecting that. Hello. Ireland is on here. So we have United States, which is number one. Yeah, duh, obviously. Makes sense. India, then Australia. Hello, Australia. What a what a. I've been told that apparently the Iceland is oftentimes just weird online testing situations. Okay, that would make so sense. So we may or may not actually have people in Iceland. My brother's done several podcasts and he says that always jumps up pretty quickly because okay. there's a lot of software stuff. I actually had credit card fraud Great. from software in Iceland. I don't know, <laughs> like, my bank called me and they're like, are you buying software from Iceland right now? Always. And I was like, I am asleep and <laughs> very ill. I had a very high fever at the time. And I'm like, I've been sleeping for 17 hours. In Iceland. Not in Iceland. <laughs> but yeah, so we got India, Australia, Finland, Belgium, mm. Germany, Japan, Spain, and Ireland. It's very, very interesting. So if that's you, hi. Hello. We're so glad you're here. We it's are. Wonderful. We love you all individually and, and as a group and as a group and collectively <laughs> like our spirits yes. um i do want to give a shout out to brandy because she gave us a really good idea for a future episode <laughs> hey brandy hey brandy <laughs> thanks for being here um should we say what it is or should it be a surprise let's keep it a surprise okay i think we have a couple um ideas coming up we have some sessions planned not sessions <laughs> episode therapist plan that's such a therapist, therapist like nerd. Freudian <laughs> slip, like, i have some session plans i've been doing a lot of session plans lately have same, you same. Mm-hmm. You, that's what happens when you work with children and not adults you have to do a lot more session planning There's a lot of structured activity there's a lot of like here's four different games we could do today please select this should one. take up an hour 
We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, we we have some episodes planned. I think we've got a good direction right now. Mm -hmm. So, Brandy, we love your idea. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. It may be a while, though. We're actually, this is, I think, a scary point in time for us and an exciting point in time for you. We're almost out of episodes that we did as live shows. Whoa. So we're fast approaching having to research again. Which is which is fine. We actually enjoy it and kind of now we have a timeline where we can give ourselves more time to do research. Totally. And I think um, our next episode is going to be a brand new one. It's going to be one that Spanking nobody... New has heard yet which i'm sure is exciting for all of you out there who came to a lot of our live yeah. shows have heard these already this one is brand new we're gonna banking be- is actually a hint actually a hint <laughs> banking and holiday themed no we're not talking about weird sex play yeah this isn't this isn't th- that podcast my apologies to everybody <laughs> who was real excited for for an episode on santa kink um, um not this time no no we see you we know that you're out there but uh, we're not necessarily going to talk about that. Not we, today. We're going to talk about something that I think is going to be a bit fun, mm-hmm. a bit scary. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people know about this particular topic, so that'll be neat. It's going to be good. I'm excited to kind of bring some new stuff. Um, and since Brandy mentioned it, I think we should just put an announcement out here on mm-hmm. the episode for anybody who is wondering we will be returning to our St. Charles slash Geneva slash yes. local area live shows um, probably in April. I'm, I'm getting married in March and it's a it's a lot happening. So we're probably not going to do it before my wedding. Right. Lauren is in my wedding. So she's I will be busy involved. as well. <laughs> she will be busy <laughs> as well. Um, so it'll probably be April when we'll start those back up. We miss you guys. We're excited to do it. We're just not in a good position to be doing it right now. And we want to give you that quality, yeah. that that primo podcast status. Um, but, you know, and also just as like a sidebar, apologies for the last one we released. The sound quality was not awesome, but we did like 10 sound checks before we started this one to make sure that we were good and we are always learning and getting better at this so yeah and really yeah what happened was there was a slight just error in the proper settings when we recorded it that unfortunately we just couldn't fix in terms of doing it and we wanted to make sure we got the episode out there we didn't really have time to re-record it so we are sorry i know it's not the best one but we kind of made the decision to upload one with lower quality instead of having to wait another couple weeks and going a full month without an episode so that was a judgment call on our part so yeah i'm sorry it sounded like lauren was weirdly underwater and far away i was (laughs) she was plot twist i was in a tank it was a weird day it's a weird thing we're doing now don't worry about it i am safe anyone is a fish (laughs) anyway um but yeah so you know it's it's gonna keep getting better and better and i think we can start releasing more than two a month now we can we just uh (laughs) we may not <laughs> um, but it gives us the option. We upgraded our accounts, got some more storage so we can hopefully get some more content out there and also upload higher quality audio overall, get some bigger files going, yep. which is going to help a lot of the audio issues as well. We were trying to do it 
for the $5 a month option. Not possible. No, our episodes are too long. So yeah, we'll kind of see. Maybe we'll uh, throw out some sort of mini-sode situation. Sure. Little things. Something more relaxed, maybe. Yeah, like some stuff that we can release a little bit. I think uh, Tim suggested that we call them spooky spotlights for yeah. things that would be fun to talk about, but we're not going to do a full hour and a half episode on. I think that's brilliant. So, I know he's really smart. So. Oh, Tim. Shout out to <laughs> Tim. Shout out to Tim. Shout out to Nick, too. I don't think Nick gets a lot of airtime on he's this podcast. He's a real OG. He was really good about coming to all the live events. <laughs> I think they both were. I think Nick has probably made more than Tim has. Has, but Tim was always there in spirit. Tim's always there in spirit. So is Nick. So we got some we got their spirits with us. Yeah, they they're are. still alive. Just to clarify, <laughs> they are they are alive. They they're are alive they and are well. Definitely alive. I received a text <laughs> message several minutes ago, so I do have the good update. He's fine. He's just at work right now. Great, great, good. Like many people are who work during the day and aren't vampires like we are. <laughs> Anyway, life's weird, but yeah. today we're talking about something very special that we had brought up before. Yes. Do you want to share the topic of the day? I would love to share it. So everybody, we are going back, diving back into crime. Mm-hmm. So for everyone who's who's here for the crime, we're here for it as well. And today we're going to be talking about female serial killers. So. Ladies night. we're gonna have to look in to see exactly how much we can sing of other people's music before it becomes a copyright issue i think you can sing a little bit two seconds not a full song though got it so yeah it is ladies night here at 11 20 a.m in my apartment (laughs) the feeling's right the feeling is right because i guess me lauren and gotham are all (laughs) ladies so damn it it counts sophisticated ladies Very sophisticated. Lauren is looking very sophisticated in her pajamas, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Did you sleep in those clothes? I did. Excellent. Mm -hmm. I'm dressed for work. (laughs) So just, you know, the full gamut. The full gamut. I'm not in my bathrobe today. Uh, If you could be, would you? Always. Okay. That's all that matters. So, all right. We're just going to dive in. Lauren, is there anything you want to throw out? Just at the top. I mean, usually in our live shows, we do an interactive activity. Mm, we do. Which is much harder when it's only the two of us and a dog. So. I can't really present you with a slideshow. Um, no. Yeah, I mean, I think female serial killers are super interesting because they're not really talked about. And, you know, there's, there's female murderers, right? Mm-hmm. But not a lot of them are actually serial killers. Mm-hmm. So... To actually, you know, do the research and find um, more information about them was actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the thing is the perception is that there aren't as many right. female serial killers. But looking ahead at my stat slide, my first stat actually proves that what you just said is not true. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. In a way, in a way. So, you know, there's there's actually more female serial killers than there are female one of murderers. So, And I think also something to note is I think my perception and maybe a lot of people's perceptions is that it's there aren't as many serial killers because we're only looking in America, where if you look outside of America, there is a lot. There are a lot. And actually, I think the thing is there's more serial killers than we know about, right? We only right. know what the media covers. 
True. And there has been a push to, you know, not give serial killers cool names and give them a bunch of press to kind of remove the notoriety as a possible motive. But we also just don't always think that women are as capable of being monsters as men are. And as we will prove today, we Mm. are just as capable, if not more. I am a monster. (laughs) I'm feeling very unsafe with Lauren in my apartment right now. Anyway. I am kidding. I feel very safe with you. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. So... Would you like me to get started? Getting those stats. Let's tell get us what's in up. Some stats, people. So this is actually kind of fun. So for a long time, people didn't think female serial killers exist, and there was a woman whose name I don't have in this PowerPoint, which I certainly should. So I will make sure to put her name in the notes. I want to give her credit for her research, but. They actually did this study, just started looking through Murderpedia. Mm. So Murderpedia, you've probably seen as one of our sources on pretty much any episode involving murder, is the Wikipedia of murders. And so they kind of went on there and looked and saw how many female serial killers there actually were. And they found 64 female serial killers who were active between 1821 and 2008. And that is a lot more than I thought there would be. Samesies. And as I mentioned before, percentage-wise, there are more female serial killers than there are one-time killers. So 15% of serial killers are females, 85% are males. And then for one-time killers, it's only 10% are females and 90% males. So if you look at it, um, there are a bit more female serial killers than there are female one of serial killers, just in terms of percentage wise. I think the numbers wise, it may pan out a little bit differently, but because I think there are more single killers than there are serial killers, there's right. more one off, but statistically a higher percentage are females. So a female serial killer likely to be in her 20s or 30s, middle class, probably married, and probably Christian and of average intelligence. So that's kind of the, for female serial killers, that's what you're looking at. Which is kind of interesting because for um, male serial killers, we like to think the male in his late 20s to early Mm -hmm. 30s, white male. And as we learned in male serial killers, it's actually not. No. the case as much as we think it is but females it's very much like who you would least expect your next right. door like young married christian little woman little woman <laughs> i imagine she's small just small because of stature there's no statistics to back that up right but it's a lot more unassuming it's very much just like that she's likely to be a serial killer not that likely but of all serial killers that's what's the most common for females Picture Kathy. Picture Kathy who? <laughs> Wait. Tim's Karen. Karen? Karen. All the memes were like, Karen wants to speak to the supervisor. Karen. So that is what we're looking at for murderers. For murderers. Karen. Karen. We were, we're, we've been on to you this whole time, Karen. <laughs> um, altogether, the women on the list had killed 331 people an average of six victims each and more than half had murdered children and a quarter had targeted the elderly and sick so they really tend to go for weak victims like victims that would be easier for them as a woman to get you can Mm -hmm. imagine obviously women 
overall trend smaller than men. Right. And so maybe not as capable of certain methods of murder, such as strangling and other things. So women do have some kind of unique methodology yep. and unique victimology. Yeah, as I mean, to men. strangling, that requires a lot of strength. I mean, I feel like most people would not know that because we don't go around strangling we people. We do not, no. But research has shown that it does take quite amount of um, force for an extended period of time to actually make that happen. It so. takes much longer. Like in movies and on TV, you'll kind of see somebody like start to strangle yeah. somebody and then they're instantly dead. It takes several minutes. So it's yeah. quite a physical thing. I mean, such as are a lot of different types of murder. If you think about stabbing and other mm -hmm. things, it requires a great deal of physical effort. And then, you know, disposal of a body afterwards. You got to think about that. Yeah. Things you really need to think about before you kill somebody, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> we do not condone we violence don't condone or violence. murder. Don't murder anyone. We'll just like sprinkle that in throughout here. Like, sprinkle. don't kill anyone. All right. So let's move on to history of female serial killers. Um, so the earliest known one was Lavinia Fisher from 1820 she didn't work alone and she poisoned men with tea so see poisoning is a very common methodology very. for female serial killers very very the highest number of female serial serial killers were identified in the early 1900s so back in the day back in the day um and female serial killers are currently on the rise we are <laughs> Don't become a serial killer. <laughs> okay. I mean, it really is fascinating culturally that female serial killers are starting to become more common again. Yeah. And before the 90s, it was believed that females could not be serial killers. But Eileen Wernos changed that. So, yeah, that's a little bit of the historia. Yeah. So now the question, what qualifies a murderer as a serial killer? Answer, of course, is depends on who you ask. I mm -hmm. think the most commonly accepted definition is someone who kills three or more people with a time elapsing between events. So there's a cool off period. Mm -hmm. So if they're, you know, if somebody kills three people all in one instance, that's not a serial killing. That would be a mass killing or maybe a spree killing, depending right. on the specifics of it. Yeah, serial killers, usually they have a cool off period and it tends to get shorter over time. It can escalate a bit, but the cool off period is really important in terms of being a serial versus a different type of killer. True. So many of you are here to understand the psychology behind it. So what makes a serial killer psychologically? So nearly 40% of killers. Um, so just to kind of back up for a second, there was this long um study of serial killers i can't remember the university but we'll put it in the show notes radford radford, radford you're right okay that. and i think it says harrison here i think harrison is the woman who did the murderpedia yes research. her harrison <laughs> harrison nearly 40 percent of that study um that harrison identified were reported to have serious mental illnesses 25% were said to have a history of drug or alcohol abuse, and they also had suffered physical and sexual abuse, as well as severe childhood illness or trauma at relatively high rates. So, I mean, just those things right there, you know, people with 
um, severe mental illnesses, that have trauma, who may have addiction issues. These are people that, you know, we tend to look at. Mm -hmm. And I think, of course, we always need to say when talking about this, the vast majority of mentally ill people are not at all dangerous. True. Um, Sometimes we can get that perception when we hear these statistics that like, oh, mentally ill people are dangerous. Somebody with paranoid schizophrenia is absolutely going to kill people. They're usually not. They're usually more of a danger to themselves than to other people. Um, And I think what's interesting in terms of making female serial killers versus male serial killers is there's so much sexual abuse with female serial killers and there is with some male serial killers of course but i think it's a bit higher of a percentage in the females that the sexual violence they tend to be the victim not the perpetrator a thousand percent there also are documented cases of people who suffered severe head injuries i think we kind of talked on about that in the male serial killers episode Mm -hmm. and ultimately become violent even when there is no prior history of violence um the majority (laughs) yeah to quote karen in georgia with a wind space just send them back send them back (laughs) don't send your children back if they get head injuries get them proper medical care and some therapy please please Uh, The majority of serial killers who are sexually motivated eroticized violence during development. So for them, violence and sexual gratification are intertwined. So what fires together, wires together. We kind of talked about that with male serial killers, too. Yeah. So now I'm going to talk a little bit about what makes female serial killers different than male serial killers so they are significantly less likely to be sexually motivated than male serial killers it is rare that they're sexually motivated that doesn't mean that there never are but like i said you know lauren was talking about that what fires together wires together i think a lot of serial killers do have early incidences where they are connecting sex and violence as concepts but like i said earlier for females they tend to be the victims in that case whereas males remember chikatilo he was the perpetrator pretty much he witnessed the sexual assault so he was a witness but he was also a perpetrator and like holding you know his sister's friend down and everything women tend to be victims of sexual assault That being said, a lot of people are victims of sexual assault, and the vast majority of them do not become serial killers. It's just an early factor. They're more likely to kill for financial gain and power. You know, looking historically, there were not always a lot of options for women in getting their finances straight. We weren't allowed to work. Always, we weren't allowed to vote or own property in certain cases, and so, you know, there was a lot going on, and so women got creative (laughs) (laughs) they're so creative these women creative mind i mean i think it was it was a contributing factor for somebody who has the underlying psychopathology necessary to become a serial killer i think that lack of financial opportunity for women historically has been a factor in their financial motivation Uh, they're less likely to have a criminal background They don't, you know, you don't see a lot of prior arrests. You don't see a lot, whether that means they didn't have it or they just didn't get caught. You know, sometimes we think that women aren't capable of these things and it can help women get away with them. That is true. Female serial killers, they kill those close to them. Mm -hmm. If you look at a lot of male serial killers, particularly sexually motivated ones, You know, obviously, they're trying to kill people they can't be connected to, so they don't get caught. They tend to kill people more distantly. 
Uh, female serial killers tend to kill their loved ones quite a bit, mm-hmm. as we will talk about later. And they coming up. Coming on this special episode of Spooky Psychology. <laughs> coming up. Um, and they tend to have longer careers as a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have an average career of serial killing for 8 to 11 years with an average of 9 kills before they get caught. Men have an average of 2 years. Hmm. So men get caught more easily for being serial killers. Again, we do have a cultural bias that men are more violent than women. Right. Um, Which is not always the case. I mean, male violence is absolutely a problem, but that doesn't excuse female violence. Like, there still are very violent women. And I think, I don't know if it's that... It's not getting connected as murder. Things like poisoning sometimes don't get caught. It really depends. But female serial killers do not get caught as easily as male serial killers do. Right. It's almost, you know, like when you think about it, there's almost kind of like this sexist kind of structure around um, serial killers where, you know, there is kind of that old school belief of like, you know, women aren't capable of doing this, so we're not going to look at them. Mm -hmm. When it's really like okay, if you come at this from an open mind, you really should be looking at everybody. Absolutely. And I think, you know, obviously there are certain indicators, like we've talked about, that a serial killing may be led by a female. I do wonder, with men getting caught earlier, again, sexual motivation is a lot more common in male serial killers, and sexual motivated crimes can often have semen left at the crime scene, which is DNA evidence. Even if a female is sexually motivated, she's not leaving semen. Right. So that could be a bit of a factor. Again, I'm not 100% sure, but the DNA evidence could be a factor as well. Totally. Um, so I wanted to kind of get into what motivates female serial killers and kind of look at those motivations because I think they're interesting. Um, so there are female killers, female serial killers who act alone, and here are some of their characteristics. Um, killers of this type are often mature, careful, deliberate, socially adept, and highly organized. They usually attack victims in their home or place of work. They tend to favor a specific weapon like poison, lethal injection, or suffocations. Um, There's also some very common types of female serial killers. So I just kind of wanted to define those for y'all really quick. Um, The first one is Black Widow, which we, you know, all have heard of. So they systematically kill multiple spouses, partners, or other family members. Mm -hmm. There's Angels of Death, um, where they systematically kill people who are in her care for some form of medical attention. There is sexual predator, so systematically kills others in clear acts of sexual homicide. Revenge, um, so systematically kills out of hate or jealousy. Um, There is also profit or crime, where they systematically kill for profit or in course of committing another crime. So that would be something like um, systematically killing as part of a robbery, where the right. robbery is the main goal, but they are killing to avoid witnesses, but they kill multiple people, so they count. True. <laughs> they just want to count as a serial killer. Yes. So um, we thought we would, you know, as we do, tell you about a couple examples of female serial killers. So I will go first. Which means it's... 
story time, everyone. Sit back and relax and hear this comforting story about a woman who murdered a lot of people. Yay! Yay! <laughs> All right, so I'm going to tell you about the Mata Viejitas. <laughs> There's that Latin, Latin heat. <laughs> so, <laughs> full circle. You're welcome. I love it when our random ass intros actually relate to something <laughs> later. It gives off the appearance that we planned this. We did not. No. This is random. We planned the actual study, but the like the intros are a bit authentic. You know, that's just how we are. That's how we roll. To quote a friend of ours, she's like, I, I actually had another friend tell me she was listening and she's like, I kept trying to talk back to you. So oh. I had to stop listening. <laughs> so this is just what we're like. This is who we are as people. Yeah. But yeah, so this person is Juana Barraza, and she is the old lady killer. So that's what Mata Viejitas translates to in Spanish, from Spanish to English. <laughs> as would make sense, given the context yes. of this serial killer. So just to kind of give you some background about this lady, um, she killed 11 elderly women in Mexico in the late 1990s to early 2000s. And it's believed to be 40 plus people, which is crazy. That is a lot. Um, she was born in 1958 in rural Mexico City. Um, she had a mother and her name was Justa or Justa. I'm not sure how I you think pronounce it's it. Justa. Justa. But that's speaking as a white person, so I could be wrong. My apologies. If My I'm Latin wrong. heat is not very heated right now. Mm. Do you even speak Spanish? Barely. Barely. Okay. That's so. I am the same. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so, yeah. So, this mom was actually super horrible because, well, one, she was an alcoholic. Two, she was a sex worker. But what she did that was horrible is that um, her addiction was so complex that she ended up essentially giving away Juana to a man when she was 12 years old in exchange for three beers. So she was essentially sold for sex at the age of 12. So you can imagine what that did to her psyche. So if anybody out there is like questioning their parenting skills, this comparison may be helpful. Yes. Have you sold your children into sex slavery for beer? No. You're probably doing not, maybe not the best, but you're not the worst. You certainly. at least get a silver medal. Yeah, you're, you're trying. <laughs> we, be we believe in you. You're doing great, sweetie. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it's fucked up. Anyway, um, so basically as she got older, uh, she was a single mom to four children. Actually, one of the children um, that she had, the father was one of the men who repeatedly raped her, which is horrible. Yeah. Um, and she had her first child at 13. So That's think, a tragedy in and of itself. Right. Like, can you imagine having a child at 13? Oh, my God. I was so ill-equipped. Like, 13 is like 7th and 8th grade. So just for Scary. context, people think about it. It's so young, and you're not ready. And at your all. body's not ready either. It's not a good your hormones situation. hormones aren't ready. No, no, no. It's all very confusing. So this is what we're looking at with her. I mean, she had really rough beginnings. But, you know, she felt proud of being a single mother, but that came crashing down when Muggers killed her first son. Oh, no. So, you know, you think about it, like, she built this identity of being a mom, and I'm sure that was really, um, 
it was a way to kind of like reinvent herself, feel proud, all of these things. And then her son was murdered. Mm -hmm. So that messed things up for her. By day, she was actually a popcorn vendor. And by night, she was a luchadora, la dama de silencio, or the lady of silence. The lady of silence. Very intense. Luchadors are cool. They are really cool. I enjoy their masks. I have a mask. I have a luchador mask. Do you? Yeah, my family did a white elephant Christmas gift one year, and I got a luchador mask and an annoying orange. Like, I didn't keep the orange, but I think I kept the luchador mask. Good. It's around here somewhere. But yeah, so that's that's what she was kind of up to as far as, like, her career goes. Um, so when she started to kill old ladies, um, she had posed as a social worker who helped with social welfare. And so what she would do is she would bludgeon and strangle before stealing small mementos from these people's homes. So, you know, obviously, like, as we kind of think about it, kind of tying it back to what we were saying before, you know, that is super strategic to pose as a social worker and get the trust of your victim and be allowed in the house and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe not necessarily the american perception of social workers a lot of people think social workers are you know child protective services where right. they take your kids but a lot of people depending on their involvement of the system i mean i'm a social worker like a lot of you know we're supposed to help people we're supposed to help people gain access to necessary services right and as far as i know i mean in Mexico at the time the social workers like would frequently go to the homes of elderly people to help them get access to services and right. stuff so this was a really good ruse on her part just to get people just knowing that social construct of yeah. social workers are supposed to help or supposed to trust them mm-hmm. um, so yeah so she definitely capitalized on that for sure some interesting things were so like as this was happening the people who were investigating this were really confused they could not figure out who this person was that was killing all these old women by bludgeoning and strangling one thing the detectives noticed is that there was this painting called the boy in the red waistcoat that was in a couple of the homes so they thought like for some reason the serial killings were tied to this painting hmm. which is kind of funny well, yeah that is interesting it is I mean, it's just weird especially though with serial killer motivations you never know you never and know so a lot of times it's like anything you can do to connect to the victims even if it's a painting it's like well maybe it's this maybe it's this exactly so it's kind of interesting um the other interesting thing is that Um, someone actually did see her fleeing the scene, but because she was a luchador, she was really built, um, and had short hair. And so they were saying that it was a masculine looking woman or a man. So what the investigators started doing was they started, um, looking at the trans sex workers and interrogating Mm. them. And it was, you know, really sad because obviously they had nothing to do with this and they weren't actually looking at women. They didn't think women were capable of doing this. Yeah. So that was kind of an interesting tidbit as well. But to kind of talk about the victims for a second, um, the first victim was Maria de la Luz Gonzalez Anaya. Um, This was in 2002. Um, so essentially what happened or allegedly what happened was, um, 
Maria had made comments that Juana considered derogatory and Juana strangled her with her bare hands. Mm -hmm. Historically, she usually beat and strangled victims, but there was one she set on fire. And I think the interesting thing is we were talking about earlier, her methods of murder are not stereotypically female methods of murder. And that probably also contributed to... The assumption the, of a male. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it is, it's unfortunate the way that they went, and it was discriminatory against a community. Um, but for a while, you can at least understand see the logic of why they thought it was a man dressed as a woman. Just the whole, like, it's a man dressed as a woman, therefore it's trans sex workers. It's such right. a jump. Right. Um, but there were some reports. So it's like you can kind of see her methodology was not stereotypically female. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, her last victim was Ana Maria de los Reyes Alfaro in 2006. And she was strangled with a stethoscope. And that's when Juana was actually caught fleeing from the home. Mm. And when she was caught, she was convicted to 759 years in prison. Just a nice light sentence. (laughs) 759. Like, I'm not totally sure how they got that number, but you know, whatever. It can be really confusing just based on, like, how different laws were at different points in time. Yeah. It's really weird. It's actually are. So, yeah, so I kind of wanted to take a stab at diagnoses, as we do. It's kind of fun. So, um, her last diagnosis was that she was a psychopath um, due to the fact she had no guilt for her efforts and therefore did not connect pain with her actions either. She blamed the older women, which she hunted to be related to her mother and therefore was improving society by executing them. Okay. So I guess in her mind, she connected these old women to her mom. Because she acted as a government official, she was categorized as an angel of death, which I don't agree with. You know, the thing is, she wasn't actually trying to help people. I guess I wonder if she went to people's houses as a social worker and didn't murder them. It's kind of hard to piece together. Yeah. But she wasn't a social worker. So it's kind of it's a weird classification. I agree. But I have I have theories. So being tight. Love them. Um, This is a quote from her, though. When I saw them talking about the old women, I felt so much anger and more when they acted uppity or believed that because of their money, they could humiliate me. Mm, So that kind of gives us some insight. It does. It's a little context there. So I believe she was actually a revenge killer. Mm. Um, And I'll kind of describe why. So they are killers that are. So, okay. So. They are motivated by, motivated by revenge. So such persons usually begin their criminal, criminal careers at age 22, and their victims are either family members or symbolic of an offending organization or person. Mm. There is a noticeable consistency in victimology. The typical pattern is about three to four victims over a period of two years or less. So although a revenge killer is usually able to control their passions enough to successfully conceal their crimes, they are also sometimes careless and demonstrate a lack of planning. Ironically, when apprehended, they show great remorse, almost as if to compensate for their excessive flights into the darker realms of revenge. Interesting. That does make a lot of sense. I could see that. I can see how symbolically this would be a revenge killing. 
Also, when it comes to diagnosis, I would like to argue um, that she had some sort of personality disorder, specifically borderline diagnosis. Mm. Um, so this diagnosis is classified by black and white thinking, trauma, difficulties managing aggression, um, and deeply ingrained behaviors that deviate from the social norms. So I highlighted some of the symptoms that she seemed to display. So one of them was a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized alternating between extremes of idealization and devaluation. Um, so, you know, to kind of support this, I know that she had multiple fathers for her children um, and just really, um, really uh, unhealthy relationships with them. Like it ended on bad terms. Mm-hmm. Um, identity disturbance, so markedly and persistently unstable self-image or sense of self. Um, I would say that's true if she's pretending to be a social worker and also has like this identity as a luchadora. Affective instability due to marked reactivity of mood. Intense episodic dysphoria, irritability, or anxiety, usually lasting a few hours and only rarely more than a few days. I would say, you know, the irritability definitely played a role in this. Um, Inappropriate, intense anger or difficulty controlling anger. So frequent displays of temper, constant anger, recurrent physical fights. So definitely the inappropriate and intense anger if she's hauling off and strangling people. I mean, especially with her saying that they just like from, they thought they were better than her. Yes, and so she the quote. strangled them. Right. That is inappropriate intense anger right, right. there. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then transient stress related paranoid ideation or severe dissociative symptoms. So the paranoid ideation, I mean, I would argue like even in um, the quote that I shared before that the kind of paranoia of people think that they're better than me um, definitely sticks out. So, yeah, as I mentioned before, you know, with personality disorders, trauma definitely um, offsets that for people. And she is somebody that had so much trauma in her life where I could see how this developed. Yeah, absolutely. That's Juana Barraza. Wonderful. Thank you, Lauren. You are welcome. And just a quick disclaimer for those of you who haven't listened before. We cannot accurately diagnose these people because we've never met them. Correct. We are just going with things that theoretically could be true to help kind of explain their behavior. I am going to talk about the very lovely Belle Gunness. So, Belle Gunness was born in Norway in 1859 as Brunhild, uh, which is a great name. I think I am all about the Brunhild sort of name. It's, uh, it's a good name. And she emigrated to the U.S. in 1881. So, there's not a lot of information about her early childhood. So, I'll say some things that are purely conjecture. They're not purely conjecture. They're based on a couple sources. But it's unclear if those sources were, like, accurate retellings of things that happened to her when she was growing up. Or if they were rumors or maybe people trying to, like, cash in on how famous she got. So take it all with a grain of salt, please. So she grew up on a farm and gathered twigs for firewood. She was made fun of. Um, She was called a name that translates roughly to Peter's twig daughter because she collected twigs. And apparently this was a big deal and she was really upset by it. So, you know, 
sounds like for the time it was a pretty severe burn so she kind of had some teasing growing up and she was really not okay with it um so this is kind of the thing that we're not sure if it really happened but allegedly she got pregnant at the age of 17 and while she was at a dance she was kicked in the stomach which caused her to miscarry now i've heard a couple different versions of this story during research so at least a few people said it but they kind of said it differently so it's unclear specifically what happened but supposedly the man who kicked her died mysteriously in some stories the man who kicked her was the father of the baby and some he wasn't some he lived so it's really not sure but there are some people that say that the man who caused her to miscarry was actually her first murder again we don't know for sure but that if it is true is traumatic to get kicked and then have a miscarriage as a result of that it's a very traumatic loss of a child and we don't know what other trauma she dealt with. Um, I mean, when she moved to Chicago, she married her first husband, Mad Sorensen, in 1884. Now, in some versions of the story, she saved up money and came to her own. And some she moved to a nicer farm and some her sister sent her here. Again, there's a whole lot going on. It's very unclear, like, the specifics. But she married Mads. And she worked as a housekeeper... But she really longed to live a lavish lifestyle. Mm. Belle wanted wealth. She wanted to be rich and happy. Uh, Mads did not have a lot of money, though. So we're not really sure. It was an interesting choice of a marriage. But she married Mads. And they bought a confectionery store, which oh. was not successful at all. So, and they were living in Chicago at this time. So, hey, Ooh. Chicago. <laughs> um, so, this confection store that apparently sold a lot other than candy, kind of maybe more of a convenience store, we would call it now, ah. was unsuccessful. And the store burned down while Belle and her adopted daughter, Jeannie, were there. Mm-mm-mm. So, red flag number one, mm-hmm. and they used the insurance money from the store to buy a new house house. So Belle was reported to have struggled with infertility. Some say as a result of getting kicked in the stomach and losing a child, she was infertile thereafter. But she was obsessed with kids. She wanted to be a mom more than anything. So she and Mads adopted Jenny. It was an intro or Jeannie and Jenny. I've heard both, but we'll go with Jenny. Um, So they adopted her. Allegedly her mom died in childbirth and like during childbirth told Belle to take care of the baby and her husband was really distraught at the loss of his wife and was like, okay, you can have the baby. That's supposedly how they got her. Hmm. Um, But she struggled with infertility. Her sisters even like reported how she couldn't have kids. Allegedly maybe tried to steal her sister's kids and kept asking her sister if she could have her children. So she definitely was not pregnant. But she suddenly had four babies. Oh. And there's not a lot. Like, no one's really sure where these babies came from. Maybe she adopted them. Maybe she stole them. We really don't know. But she had four children. Caroline, Axel, Myrtle, and Lucy. Axel's kind of like a badass name for the time. Axel is a badass name. I love it. So Caroline and Axel did not survive infancy. They died of acute colitis... The symptoms are nausea, fever, diarrhea, and lower abdominal pain and cramping. Hey, (laughs) Pepto-Bismol. 
That was a really good joke, Lauren. Thank you. I'm very proud right now. Um, and life insurance money was collected on these babies. And they were babies. They were babies when they died. So the interesting thing is that I know infant mortality rates were a lot higher at the time. I have no idea if taking out life insurance policies on your baby was common at the time. I don't know. I don't know. I know now parents are much more likely to get a life insurance policy for themselves when they have a child than yeah. for their baby. So I'm not sure if that was common at the time. Um is true. The symptoms of colitis are very sim- similar to the symptoms of strychnine poisoning. Uh. So there's a little bit of a question if she killed these babies. Um, and then on July 30th, 1900, Mads, her sweet, sweet husband Mads, died on the day his two life insurance policies overlapped. Huh. So allegedly he was on board with getting these life insurance policies and Bell maybe pushed him or like it was a clerical error that there was a day they overlapped. Nonetheless, he died on that day and Bell got a lot of insurance money. Hmm. So the first doctor to examine him thought it was strychnine poisoning. But then they called in the family doctor who said that Mads was being treated for an enlarged heart and that's what killed him. No autopsy was performed. Belle collected her money. Okay. In 1901, Gunness purchased a house, which quickly burned down. I mean, the most unlucky woman I've ever heard of. I know. Must have been hard to get insurance because she kept collecting on those policies. So she got money for that. And then she took all of her insurance money and moved to LaPorte, Indiana with the children. Then our dear friend Belle was feeling a little bit lonely. Her husband had mysteriously died. And uh, she married a fellow widower, Peter Gunnis. So Peter Gunnis, a Peter, was also a Norwegian immigrant and had previously lived with Belle and Mads. He was a boarder. They knew each other. Um, His wife had recently died, I believe, in childbirth. So he was also a lonely widower. And they decided to get married. Within a week of the wedding, his seven-month-old daughter was dead of unknown causes, but she was alone with Belle when she died. Hmm. Again, lots of death around Belle. Lots of death. Lots of death. Such a tragic life she had, right? That's what a lot of people thought at the time. Then shortly after, after that, Peter died suspiciously as well. Uh-huh. Belle alleged that he was burned... Then claimed a sausage grinder fell on his head. Hmm. And the death was highly suspicious. This one was really interesting. Like, at first, you know, different stories were that he was heating up his shoes by the stove, like his slippers, to have warm slippers. Okay. And then was leaning to get them. And then the sausage grinder fell from the top shelf and hit him in the head. Some claim that he was also burned, but that maybe a pot of water fell off of the stove and burned him after he had hit with the grinder. I feel like you can tell when people are lying because there's too many details. Right. You know, like, yeah. Right. That's a lot going on there. Yeah, that's highly suspicious. And Peter's brother, Goost, Goost. took his older daughter, Swanhild, another Hild's name was Brunhild and Swanhild. <laughs> To live with him. So his older daughter had been with them. 
Peter's brother took her away, and she is the only child to survive living with Belle. So, luckily, her uncle was like, I'm taking this kid because I don't like what's happening here. So, it was a really good call on his part. And then Sweet Jenny allegedly told a classmate, my mama killed Papa. She hit him with a meat cleaver and he died. Don't tell a soul. Oh, my God. But at the coroner's jury, she denied that she ever said that. So, they did actually investigate his death a bit and there was a jury but Belle convinced the jury that she was not responsible for his death I mean okay and during this Belle never mentioned she was pregnant but in 1903 she had a baby boy named Philip what how is she acquiring all these babies no one really knows and the thing is apparently she convinced the jury that she was not responsible and I think the pregnancy allegedly came out then but then like people didn't know she was pregnant and suddenly she had a baby. And there was a weird thing, like a midwife was allegedly involved in with one of these kids. Hmm. And that she had allegedly, she's like, oh, I gave birth before you came here. And she was just like outside working the fields. Um, then in 1905, Belle told everyone that Jenny had gone away to college. So suddenly Jenny's gone. Possibly some people said college, some people said finishing school. What is finishing school? Uh, finishing school, I believe, was just like school for women to like learn homekeeping and oh, those types of things. I wouldn't do well. Continue. I would not either. <laughs> maybe we both need to go to finishing we should go school. To finishing I'm not school. sure that maybe. Who wants to sponsor that? <laughs> Please send us to finishing schools so we can learn how to be good wives. Our husbands are suffering. <laughs> The home is not clean enough. There's dog fur everywhere. I don't know if the pigs leave. Do they shed at all? Once a year, it's called blowing their coat where all of their hair falls off and it's horrible. We're not there yet. We're good. My apologies to you during that difficult time. It's it's (laughs) the same like Gotham just sheds all the time. So like I vacuum fur nonstop and so does Tim. But then it's like and now there's fur again. Like you'll clean the couch and then she'll, like, just lie there and, like, rub her back on it. So now there's fur again. It's like, I just cleaned that, though. Infinite fur. Yeah, it's just everywhere, man. Um, so after several years of living alone with her surviving children, Belle wrote newspapers and started looking for love. Ay. So a lot of these were in Norwegian language newspapers. Hmm. She was really trying to get other immigrants, mostly. Um which is a power move, yeah. you know. You know, she was a, she was an immigrant. She wanted some sweet Norwegian man to come marry her. Some Norwegian heat, or so she said. <laughs> the Norwegian heat. <laughs> um, so this is her letter. Um, so get ready. This is lovely. I'm ready. Personal, comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in Laporte County. Indiana desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with a view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow up with a personal visit. Triflers need not apply. Mm-hmm. So, you know, super romantic letter Very. there about joining fortunes. And per the postman, she received up to ten letters a day. So yeah, these she did. men were about it. Now... Something that you'll hear a lot about Belle Gunness is that she was ugly. Some people described her as a toad-like woman. 
I encourage you to look up a picture. I think she's a very handsome woman. I don't think, like, you know, people are very overdramatic. Also, she killed so many people. If you're going to dislike her, dislike her for that, not her appearance. Her appearance is irrelevant. Amen. Come on. Um, so soon the suitors started coming. They're bringing their money with them, per Bell's super normal request. Mm-hmm. And many told their families they're going off to get married. Hey. And Belle told her neighbors that these suitors, they're her cousins. <laughs> All She's of them. She's got so many cousins coming to visit. Um, but nobody ever saw these men leave. So they'd see men coming and Belle's like, oh, my cousins are visiting. But like nobody saw them leave the property. But Belle was witness just digging out in the hog pens in the middle of the night, as you do. As you do. Super normal farming behavior. I've never worked on a farm. I guess if any of you work on a farm, if it's normal to dig holes in the hog pens in the middle of the night, please let us know. I would vote no. Having hogs myself. <laughs> Having hogs yourself. Um, they also point out something for those of you who don't know. Pigs will eat a corpse. Yep, they are omnivores. Pretty much, I think it's um, only like the teeth that they'll leave. Like they'll eat mm-hmm. bone too. So it's it's a it's a way to distur- to dispose of a body, which is why digging in the hog pens is very suspicious behavior. It also terrifies me that if I were to fall ill one day, my pigs would eat me. Yeah. But that's a different story. Dogs will eat you too, though. They just won't eat your bones, necessarily. Uh, They would definitely eat my bones, especially Gigi. But anyway, go ahead. Gigi. Murderous little Gigi. She is. She is a little tyrant. She is fierce. Yep. Um, So a man named George Anderson came to... uh, Came and agreed to pay off Belle's mortgage if they decided to wed. And he awoke... In the middle of the night, to Belle standing over him with a candle. <laughs> Casual. And Casual I've romance. I've heard some reports that, like, she may have had a knife. I've heard other reports that she was <laughs> chanting something. Super weird, though. She's just, like, standing over him while they sleep. She's making a, a move. She's getting that D. I mean, maybe that's what she was going for, but I think maybe you could try it in a different way that's <laughs> less. I understand they needed candles to see. Like, I get that yeah. part, but I feel like there's a less creepy thing. They're just standing over someone <laughs> with a candle watching them sleep. Um, and he tip, escaped. Don't do he that. just, like, ran out. He was like, I am so done with your shit, Belle woman I've known for 24 hours and he left. Um, Another man, Ola Budsberg, was last seen at the bank where he mortgaged his land and obtained several thousand dollars in cash. Dun dun dun. Now we'll talk about Andrew Helgian. Helgalian? Andrew H. Andrew H. Andrew H. I'm not always the best at pronouncing these names. My apologies if I've offended any of our Norwegian listeners. I'm sorry. Um, But he was exchanging letters with Belle and came quickly after one arrived, stating the following. Get ready for another Belle Gunness original letter. I'm ready. To the dearest friend in the world. Oh. No woman in the world is happier than I am. I know that you are now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. It does not take one long to tell when to like a person, and you I like better than anyone in the world, I know. 
think how we will enjoy each other's company. You, the sweetest man in the whole world. We will be alone with each other. Can you conceive of anything nicer? I think of you constantly. When I hear your name mentioned, and this is when one of the dear children speaks of you, or I hear myself humming with the words of an old love song, it is beautiful music to my ears. My heart beats in wild rapture for you, wow. my Andrew. I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. Damn. That last part's cold, though. Right? It's like my heart beats in rapture for you, which I feel like for the time, this is like... A very saucy letter to it's be saucy. Sending. There's so, some spice. I mean, this is like the the old timey equivalent of a you up text message. Uh-huh. <laughs> like you know what she's talking about. Yeah, you do. Um, I mean, also just just like casually send this letter to your husband and just see <laughs> what he does. Inspiration for your vows, Megan. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna just add this in here. We uh, have adapted this. You know, I just wonder now if you sent this to somebody with no context, they'd probably be like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Uh, you okay? Like, you okay? Especially the come prepared to stay forever. Very <laughs> ominous given the situation. So he came to her with a $2,900 check his whole life savings Aww. and was last seen with Belle at a bank depositing the check mm-hmm. Belle came in later alone to deposit more money into that account <sighs> poor Andrew H poor Andrew H R.I.P. you know he was just excited he's like this woman wants to bone and marry me let's do it let's and do then this she, thing she wanted to murder you sir um so let's talk about Ray Lampier so Ray Lampier was Bell's sold hired help at the farm hmm. they had a long standing sexual relationship and he was in love with Bell and he became a little jealous of all these suitors she was considering marrying. Hmm. So there, there's a lot of reports of this. Again, kind of with older stories, it can be a little bit harder to tell if right. you know things were said to influence media or whatever. But this is the story that we have. So we imagine Ray was a hired hand. He was living on the farm and sleeping with Belle. And she's just like bringing in all these other dudes and putting out letters to try to get married. So obviously he's uncomfortable with this situation. Mm-hmm. As you would be when somebody you're sleeping with and are in love with is just like, let me just write a letter to this dude I'm trying to marry right marry now that I don't quick. know while you're right here. And just invite him to visit to the home where we both live. <laughs> little, little strange. Shade. Major shade. So, Belle repeatedly went to the courthouse to allege that Ray was a menace and was a danger to them. So, she made lots of reports that Ray was up to no good. Hmm. And Ray told another farmer that Hell... Our good friend Andrew H. Oh. Won't bother me no more. We fixed him. The hell? What does it mean? You never know. And then Andrew H.'s family became suspicious after he disappeared, and they contacted Belle. She told lots of different stories, including that he returned to Norway, allegedly to see the crowning of the new king. Hmm. Um, they did not believe her and came to search for his brother. So, I mean, if you think about it, like, if a man's close with his family and he's like, I'm off to get married to this woman, and then you never hear from him again, you're going Highly to be suspect. hella suspicious. Yeah. And at the same time, I mean, 
It took a long time to get to Norway. It's not like now where you can just go to the airport and it's... I don't know how long the flight would be. Right. But I'd assume, you know, maybe... Back then it'd be like an expedition. Back then it would be several weeks. Now it's like a shitty day of travel. You'll be fine. Bring an airplane pillow. You'll survive. Like, you'll survive. You might not like it, but you'll, you'll be okay. But this was like a several week journey. And you would think that if somebody was like randomly going to leave the country, they'd probably drop a letter in the mail to tell their family members like change of plans, going to Norway. Love you all. Like, right. Love you. See you. Bye. You'd say something. So he, you know, Andrew's family didn't believe it. So they, you know, his brother came to look for him. Okay. Belle spoke to a lawyer and told him that Ray had threatened to kill her and burn her house down. And she was scared. She'd drew a will leaving her estate to her children went to the bank paid off her mortgage she never went to the police though curious indeed on april 28 1908 joe maxson who was a new hired hand so ray wasn't he had been fired essentially oh. for being creepy so he he didn't live <laughs> there anymore um, you're officially fired for being creepy for allegedly like she's like you're so scary you're fired and then like telling everybody like mm. he wants to burn the house down but not the police for some reason <laughs> i don't know why i'm doing her with a southern accent when she was from norway <laughs> but seems inaccurate I'm but just, i enjoy it i'm just going with what my soul feels good so, apologies again <laughs> apologies to norway sorry norway um so he woke up to smoke Hmm. he was barely able to escape the house and go to the town to get help i heard he jumped out a second story window to escape this so man was like trying he desperately tried to like save the children though like he he was trying to get them out and he ran to the town to go get help four bodies were found in the basement three children and one headless woman oh so the police heard about Ray's threats through Bell's lawyer and closed in on him. And Ray was arrested for murder and arson. Yikes. Now, here's the thing. Tell me the thing. <laughs> Bell, depending on different sources, was about six feet tall and like two, three hundred pounds. Like okay. she was a taller lady. She was a sizable, formidable woman. She was tall. She was capable of, like, throwing around bales and hay and, like, running a farm together. really impressive, actually. I mean, right? Like, you know. The body that they found, the headless woman, was about 5'5", 150 pounds. So, Mm. some people are like, hey, maybe this isn't Belle. Right. A lot of people said it wasn't Belle. So, they hired people to search through the rubble to find her teeth for identification, which there wasn't a head. I don't know why the teeth would be there if the head wasn't. Right. Um, and they found a piece of bridge work that had two canine teeth with roots attached and Gross. gold work. The dentist ID'd it as Bell's and they officially ruled that it was Bell's remains. Now, I don't 100% know about this, but you would think that perhaps the teeth and the gold bridge would have been damaged in the fire. Yeah. Somehow. And that's, again, there's a lot of conjecture that it would have been damaged. There's some people saying that the person who... Or, like, even just the roots. Right? Like, you'd think you'd be able to tell they had been through a fire. Allegedly, it was pristine. Some people said they saw the guy, like, take it out of his pocket, put it in the rubble, and then grab it. So, oh, God. there's a lot okay. of shady stuff going on here. 
So Andrew's brother arrived in Laporte and told the sheriff he believed his brother had been murdered by Bell. And Joe Maxson came forward with information that could not be ignored. He told the sheriff that Gunnis had ordered him to bring dirt by wheelbarrow to a large area surrounded by a hog, well, by a fence where the hogs were fed. So there were lots of divots in the ground that she wanted him to fill, and she told him contained just garbage. They were <laughs> just garbage holes, right? So he took a dozen men to the farm, began to dig. They unearthed the body of Jenny Olson, mm. her adopted daughter, who was definitely murdered by her. Then they found the small bodies of two children that they don't know who these children were, but they were there too. Hmm. Um, and they found the body of Andrew. His overcoat was uh, found to be worn by Ray Lampier had his coat, which was interesting. Weird. And as the day continued, they kept finding bodies. Very disturbing. Yeah, so it's difficult to say how many victims were recovered. There were at least 12 bodies. Um, Some were identifiable, some they were able to identify, but at the same time, a lot of the bodies, the skeletons were not complete. There were multiple different parts of bodies, so Mm. they were just estimating how many bodies there were. Ray Lampier was found guilty of arson and acquitted of murder. His defense hinged on the body not being Bell. Testimony stated that witnesses saw the bridge being planted. Unlikely that it was during the fire because the gold wasn't damaged. So he wasn't found guilty of murder, but he was found guilty of arson. And here's where it gets really interesting. So on January 14th in 1910, a reverend came forward with a confession that he said was from Ray Lampier. So the Reverend Hmm. Shell said that when Ray was about to die, he asked to speak to him. He was comforting him, and Ray told him all of this. So here's what he said. He said to the Reverend and to a fellow inmate that he had not murdered anyone, but he had helped Gunnis bury her victims. When a victim arrived, she made him comfortable, cooked him a meal, she drugged his coffee, split his head with a meat chopper. Sometimes she would wait for them to go to bed and enter the bedroom by candlelight and chloroform her victim. So perhaps the one who left, that's what her intentions were. Oh. I'm powerful. You know, she was a powerful woman. She would carry the men's bodies to the basement, place it on a table, dissect it. She then bundled the remains, buried them in the hog pen and the grounds around the house. She was an expert at dissection. She learned her second husband was a butcher, so he taught her how to butcher animals, so that's how she knew. To save time, she sometimes poisoned them with strychnine. She also varied in her disposal methods, dumping them into the, you know, in the hogs, scalding vat, quicklime. Ray even stated that if Belle was tired after murdering her victims, she would just chop up the remains and just feed them to the hogs. Wow. So, he also cleared up the question of the headless female corpse. Hmm. He said that Gunnis had lured a woman from Chicago saying she needed a housekeeper. Um, and Gunnis had drugged the woman, bashed her head, and decapitated the body, took the head, which had weights tied to it, to a swamp. Chloroformed her children, smothered them to death, and dragged their small bodies with the headless corpse to the basement. Man. So she dressed the female corpse in her clothing, removed her false teeth, placing them beside the headless corpse to assure it would be identified as Belle, torched the house, and fled. Ray had helped her, he admitted, 
but had not left the road where he waited for her. Oh, man. So, they had arranged a place to meet up and run away together, and oh. Belle ran off in a different direction and never met with him. <sighs> You're the worst. Right? So, he said that Gunnis was a rich woman. She had murdered 42 men by his count, perhaps more, and taken amounts amount from 1,000 to 32,000. She allegedly accumulated more than $250,000 over the years, which is about $6.3 million in 2008 dollars, so it's significantly more than that now. Jeez. She had some in her savings account, but local banks later admitted that she had indeed withdrawn most of her money before the fire. So it seems like she planned all of this. It does. Very well. Very methodically. Right? So, Gunness, so for a long time, people said they saw her um, in cities and towns throughout the United States. People said they saw her in Chicago, San Francisco, New York. Um, as late as 1931, Gunness was reported alive and living in a Mississippi town where she owned property. Um, they said they received about two reports a month. And it was part of an American folklore at that point in time. The bodies of the children found in the wreckage, uh, but the female corpse was never positively identified. Her true fate is unknown. Um, some people think she was killed by a lampier and that she faked her death. And hmm. the interesting one is in 1931, a woman known as Esther, Car- Esther Carlson was identified in Los Angeles for poisoning someone for money. Two people who had known Gunnis claimed to recognize her from the photographs, but it was never proved and she died awaiting trial. So some people think that she actually did get arrested eventually when she was continuing to murder people. Hmm. The body believed to be Belle Gunnis was buried next to her first husband in Forest Park, Illinois. Weird. And um, with the permission of the descendants of her sister, the body was exhumed by forensic anthropologists and graduate students in an effort to learn the identify. It was hoped that a sealed and flap on an envelope from the victim's farm would contain enough DNA to be compared. There was not enough DNA there. So they're trying to find DNA to see if it's her or not. So. so. That's kind of a lot. And the interesting thing is, like, there's no way to know how many people she actually killed. Truly. Because to me, it sounds like she got away and she probably kept killing after that, you know. Back in that time in the early 1900s, it was way easier to just fake your death and run off like it is now. And legally, she was dead. Yep. She took all her money in cash, so we don't know where she went. She may have gone back to a different country. She may have went to Norway. We really don't know. So there's no way of knowing how many people she actually killed. Very mysterious. Right? And so... There's a couple of factors. Like, obviously, she had trauma, allegedly, with being kicked and miscarrying her first child when, like, all she wanted was children. That can really mess a person up. Completely. So she did have trauma, but at the same time, her sister says that from a young age, the only thing she would talk about was marrying rich Hmm. and how important money actually was. Interesting. So it is really interesting to kind of see... We don't know exactly what happened with her. And the thing is, there is no way to know what happened in her early childhood. We really don't. There's not a lot of reports about her. Right. But I would argue that, you know, people, I've heard that Belle is like a genius. I I don't know if that's 
has. A genius? Like, really, like, some people are like, she's this criminal mastermind and all this. I think the way she faked her death was clever. Um, Like, she seemed to fake her death pretty well. Murdering her children was overkill. She could have easily faked her death and, like, you know, on a day where the children were staying with a neighbor or something. Yeah. There's a lot going on there, but I've heard... In different podcasts where they're like, she was pure evil, she was a mastermind, all these Hmm. things. I would argue that she's not, you know, anything special. I think a lot of cultural factors, some people chalk it down to, I heard an article where they said it was like Midwestern politeness, where you just don't get into your neighbor's business, truly get away with it for so long. Like, nobody's asking questions. It's like, oh, sure, your 47th male cousin is coming over. Great. Have fun. Like, not really digging into it as much. So I think there were so many factors that got away with it. But I think she was just kind of your average person with antisocial personality disorder who likes to kill people. Truly. You also hear that she is purely financially motivated. I have a hard time believing that. Yeah. I think she definitely was financially motivated, but I also don't think that you murder 42 people without liking it at least a little bit. Right. So I think she maybe killed at first for financial gain and then realized she liked killing and kept going. I think it's a bit complicated again because we don't know because it's an older case. But let's go into some of the criteria of antisocial personality disorder for her psychological factors today. There's a persuasive pattern of disregard for and violation of the rights of others since age 15 as indicated by three or more of the following. So, again, we don't know about when she was a teenager, so we right. can't verify at what age these things started. But failure to conform to social norms with respect to lawful behaviors as indicated by repeatedly performing acts that are grounds for arrest. Yeah, she did that. She mm-hmm. murdered a lot of people and committed a lot of insurance fraud. So, yes, yep, she did, did it. And deceitfulness, as indicated by repeated lying use of aliases or conning others for personal profit or pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely did it, right? I mean, obviously, she was able to convince the jury that she didn't kill her second husband. She was able to convince people, like, to come marry her. Again, a lot of that was through letters. So I think she was very strategic, but she was also pretty indiscriminate in who she killed. She killed a lot of people she didn't have to. True. Very true. Like, her children and very much, you know... Was a little out there, but she got the letters, so she had clearly planned things, right? Um, impulsivity or failure to plan ahead. I would argue that yeah, she did. She was a bit impulsive in doing this. Like obviously, she did plan ahead in terms of that she was going to kill them, but it was also kind of messy, right? She buried everyone on her farm. She didn't really. You know, she lied to some people's siblings, but, like, she didn't consider that people would come looking for their family members. She was thinking ahead in terms of getting the money and killing the people, but in terms of how she was going to keep getting away from it. You know, she didn't actually, like, screen these people and be like, oh, you have a close family that you're going to, that's going to check on you. I won't murder you. Like, she just kind of murdered everyone right and that's kind of where i think i'm gonna make the argument for a lack of planning Mm -hmm. also again like i said complete lack of planning and just disregard for other people in the way that she faked her death right with killing the children she could have easily done it without killing the children that was unnecessary yep 
She didn't think that through. Irritability and aggressiveness, as yeah. indicated by <laughs> physical fights or assaults. Yeah, she killed like 40 bit. people. Reckless disregard for the safety of self or others. Yeah, she killed her kids so she could get away with it. Like, right. she really did not care about other people. Consistent irresponsibility, as indicated by repeated failure to sustain consistent work behavior or honor financial obligations. Hard to tell. She kind of worked for herself. Her businesses weren't successful, but her farm was decent. Um, But her main way of getting money was not the farm. It was just murdering people and robbing them. So hard to tell. But at the very least, you need three or more, and she strongly got five. You win! So, <laughs> I would make the argument that she has antisocial personality disorder. Again, I mean, I know, I think on last podcast on the left, I believe their Bell Gunness episode, they're like, she was an evil genius. And they're like, oh. really amping it up, which I think is more their style. I don't think she, I mean... From a psychological perspective, I think we just view it differently. Yeah, we definitely do, because, like, she's not an evil mastermind. She did get away with it. Right. But there were so many cultural factors that allowed her to get away with it. Especially being a woman. Right. You know, and not thinking women are capable of doing stuff like that. Right. It's just like no one was going to suspect her. People just like she was a strong lady, just like uh, Juana Barraza, mm-hmm. like, you know, right. And like when you're a woman, there's just certain things that you can get away with. You can just be like unassuming. I mean, she was it sounds like flirtatious. Mm-hmm. She was able to convince people that she never did anything. Right. And, you know, you don't know if she did that by like her level of genius or just by like playing dumb and cute some like you can do that as a girl you can totally do that as a girl you can completely do that and so like we don't know what she did to convince people and that's where we get it i think we make a lot of assumptions that she like had this big long thing planned but she was impulsive it's just like Juana Barraza like yep. she did not think that through at all no she was Where not it's like, a criminal okay, mastermind like, like that was creative that she came up with like the social work thing but at the same time that's not mastermind like mm-hmm. there are definitely times where she was just being super impulsive right and I think at the same time like planning to kill people is not necessarily the same as, like, planning an organized crime. Totally. I think that, you know, it's like she planned it, but looking at things that she did when she was starting to get caught or things that she did when she was started to worry definitely bordered more on disorganized with how she totally. did things. Where it's like, oh, I'm kind of tired. I'll just throw this corpse in the hog pen. It's going to be fine. Like, today... She would not have gotten away with it for long at all. And that's the thing that we forget is how much of a cultural influence there is when we look at these old crimes. Where we can think, based on modern standards, if you get away with this type of murder in modern day, you would absolutely be a genius because there's like no way. Right. But, you know, back then there was just so much going on where sometimes Mm -hmm. people disappeared and you just accepted it. Now, we don't accept anything when people disappear. We find them online. It's not that hard, right? But it's like, obviously, if we think they were kidnapped, that's a lot more concerning. But like, it's, you know, if somebody just like runs away now, Mm -hmm. you're still looking for them. You're still putting up missing flyers. It's not like back... There's means of finding them actually nowadays. Right. Back then, 
I mean, unless you actively saw someone being kidnapped, that was concerning. But if you didn't, it's just like, oh, they just left. And it wasn't quite as weird. Right. So. Agree. That was Agreed. Belle Gunness. She cray. She is just has antisocial personality disorder. She doesn't care about other people. She has no sense of empathy. Because she wanted those kids so bad. And she's like, oh, I'm about to get arrested. So maybe I'll just murder my I'll children. murder them real quick. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. Unnecessary. She could have sent them. Especially if you're already making the argument to, like, other people in the community that he's threatening to harm you and your children. It would not be abnormal to send your children to stay with a neighbor yeah. for a couple days given an immediate threat she could have easily done that and totally. only faked her own death and not murdered her children very true so send them to finishing school you just actually send them to school it's cool you have the financial means to yeah, send your clearly. children to boarding school <sighs> maybe send them away instead of murdering them all but true true that so that was well good job megan thank you lauren you're welcome. <laughs> so do you know of any people doing good shit? I did not prepare for our good shit segment today, which I should have because I knew this was coming. It's okay. I have some good shit. Yeah, tell us um, some good shit. So Miss Kaylee Hookirk from Full Spectrum Services. What um, up, Kaylee? What up, Kaylee? I share therapy space with her. Um, so she um, is doing or starting this project where she's developing a community in Marengo. I think it's called Hawthorne Creek Hemp Farm, where she is, um, you know, cultivating land to grow hemp and to kind of build a community of tiny houses. Mm. And she is going to have a couple of houses. Uh, I think she's going to call them crisis cottages for people who are leaving um, crisis situations and need somewhere to stay in exchange for just help around the farm. That's lovely. It is lovely. That's good to know. Um, do we know when she's planning on having it up and running? I think in 2020. I know 2020. there's a few projects that um, need funding, like building a well and mm -hmm. like all of that stuff. Absolutely. So um, I think through her website, you can donate if people are interested in doing that. Um, and yeah, so I thought that was good shit. That is some that is some really good shit. We need more resources for people leaving crisis situations, yeah. be it domestic violence or anything or else. Anything. I mean, yeah. a lot of us have life crises, and it's wonderful when people out there have something set up to help others in their time of need. Totally. Especially because I was talking to her about it, you know, with the LGBTQ population, a lot of you know, people who identify as male don't have a lot of options as far as um, domestic violence shelters to mm -hmm. go to. Um, so this could create a good alternative. Absolutely. And even just bordering on that, just not even necessarily specific to the LGBT community, but a lot of shelters, and this is something we don't always think about, don't allow males over the age of 10. Yep. So it can mean that women who have sons... I've seen some that won't pads. allow them like over five. So yep. it's like you have to leave it. You can't take your children with you. Yep. And that 
you know, can lead to a lot of women not having anywhere they can go or even just male survivors themselves. They don't have enough places for them to go to be safe. And just how much social stigma comes with that. And Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and yeah, like you were saying, like a lot of women, because I remember working at a domestic violence shelter where they would have, you know, teenage sons and they're fleeing a situation and they would end up kind of having to go to like, like a pads shelter yeah. and things like that. And it just wasn't the safest place for children. So, yeah. So I have, you know, some good shit in the world. It's a resource that I'm finding just since we're speaking about crises. Yeah. That not a lot of people know about. Share it. Share it. So we've all heard of the suicide hotline. Most yeah, likely you, know. you can call and talk to somebody. But did you know that you can text a crisis worker suicide no. hotline? Um, and this is something I always like to tell my teen clients, too, because they are not about to call a crisis Hop line on the phone. ever. Like, I don't yeah. like to call people either. I, t- I get totally it. get it. So if you in the United States are in a crisis and you need someone to talk to, if you're feeling suicidal or homicidal, even just having a panic attack, self-injury, you can text 741741 is the number and just text the word HOME to them that's how you start it and a crisis counselor will text you back and you can talk it out there which is i think just a really great option to have with technology it's a really good option especially if you are not if you're in a crisis but you're not in a position where you can talk over the phone where it may be damaging if somebody overhears what you're saying if you don't have the privacy for that space Mm -hmm. you can text instead And that's a really good option. So if any of you are in a crisis, please consider calling the crisis line or giving them a text and reach out for some help. It's out there if you need it. People want to help you. We do. We really do. We want to help you. And that's why we routinely bring up the good shit because I feel like not a lot of people know about this stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was a really good thing to share, too. Yeah. All right, friends. Well, stay warm. If you're somewhere that's cold, like Chicago. If you're somewhere that's warm, good for you. Enjoy the weather. You're doing better than me. (laughs) Maybe go outside and take a walk. Yeah. Bask in the sun for us, please. Mm. Anywho, if you are in a cold place, get out your warm, fuzzy things. Please do. And we support you. We do. All right. That's it for today. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye.